Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Friday Night Dinner Podcast. I'm your host, Curtis. With me, as always, is Dr. Stephanie Sarkis, PhD. You can find over at stephaniesarkis.com. How are you today, Steph? Great. How are you? Doing great things. How's the weather your way? What's new in your world? Huh? What? <laughs> oh, I just asked you how the, how the weather is your way. You're so quickly with each other. What? Well, we had an, an election, so that was exciting. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And so, do you have term limits for prime ministers? Uh, no. no. Uh, it's basically whoever is the leader of the party is the prime minister. And I don't think there's any limits on how long you can be the leader of a party. Has there ever been a time where the party ousted their own leader and replaced them with somebody else? Oh, yeah. It happens all the time. No yeah, if they're oh. not doing a good job, you just be like, we're replacing you with somebody else. Ah. Yeah. So it's uh it's Trudeau again, right? Yeah. Okay. So this is a third. Do you call them terms? Uh yeah, I guess so. I I mean there's okay. no real like set term. It's basically like they can call an election whenever they want. So So the so his like the party that he is not in called the election? No, he called the election because right now he has a minority government and he wanted a majority government, oh. but it didn't quite work out for him. But he still is oh, the leader. It's just like a minority government means that you don't have full power to like pass whatever laws you want. Uh, so like, stuff just kind of stalemated. Yeah, like you have to work with the other parties and figure things out with them. If he had a majority, he could pretty much do whatever he wants and it would largely okay. be fine. But yeah, we've wow. had like prime ministers who've been prime minister for quite a long time. Like uh, Stephen Harper, he was the prime minister before oh, yeah. Trudeau and he was prime minister from like 2006 to 2015. So like nine yeah. years. Yeah. And your, your party, I remember your political parties are named something similar to what they are in the UK, but they're a little different, right? Like what are your two main political parties? I think it's parties? like a little more literal. Like what you have republican and democrats and like here we call it like liberal conservative and then there's the new democratic oh, party yeah because that's the thing in the uk it's tories and, and um labor and tory like labor and uh. conservatives so it's so it's actually so as a part of the commonwealth it kind of goes along with that rather than our our style which is which is funny because yeah. if you're really not too sure who to vote for it's literally in the name are you liberal or are you conservative <laughs> Right, yeah, it's kind of like, well, let's cut through all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's no animals Oops. or anything like that. So. <laughs> you don't have elephants and, and dogs. Although now there's a new party called the People's Party of Canada, and they're pretty much, if you took mega hat wearing people and gave them their own party, that would be that. They're awful. Oh, it's like tea party kind of stuff? I don't know what the tea party is. So Okay, well, that's like, that's what you're describing. So. Okay. But yeah, they're they're just awful. I saw one of them on the street. They're like, uh, "Can we count on your vote?" And I'm like, "No, because I'm not an asshole." So, thanks. So, yeah. But currently, my writing is in a deadlock. Um, I think one candidate is ahead by like 200 votes, but so not by much. So. We'll but see. the fact that they're ahead by 200, so their candidates ahead by 200. Uh, well, there's like basically so how it works with us is you don't vote for the leader. You vote for your local constituent. So 
you vote for the person in your riding who represents that party. So like the liberals have a candidate and the conservatives have a candidate, et cetera. So you vote for not the leader, but you're voting for that person. I mean, obviously that's how it is on paper. Some people probably don't care. They probably just go, Oh, I'm going to go liberal, but on paper, at least you're voting for the person in your local uh, so you don't actually cast a vote for Trudeau. No, I'm not or voting for Trudeau. Trudeau. I'm voting for my candidate who, if they win and their and their party gets enough seats, they become prime minister. Oh. Yeah. This is really interesting. Okay. Yeah. But so, it's kind of... so it would be the, the equivalent of our representative or congressman is what you're voting for. Yes. From your district. Yes. Basically. Yeah. But it's nice in a way, though, because, like, I always think, like, you know, say you, you want Trudeau or the people vote for Trudeau, but he gets a minority government, like, he's he's still, like, he doesn't have full unilateral control. Like, so it's kind of nice in a way. Like, I, I think it is, at least. It's like more of a checks and balances, kind of. Yeah, that's what I think, at least. I mean, some people will say, well, they don't get anything done. Well, I'm like, well... Maybe that's probably for the best. Maybe we gotta let them work with each other and find. But there's been some weird stuff too. Like I know, uh, a few years back on the provincial level, we had, like the the equivalent of a governor, I guess. And there's three parties, same thing. If it's a well, here it's the Green Party, which they're very like, nature focused, and then you've got the uh, liberals, and then the New Democratic Party. So the NDP. Okay. So what happened was the liberals won. They had the majority of the votes and then the NDP and the green party decided to combine and they had more votes. So they ended up becoming pride or uh premier because they had more votes. It was like, it was very weird. It's like, you technically don't have more votes, but, but since you combine them, you do. It was very weird. So that kind of answers my other question, which is how does the premier, so your prime minister or, the premier is like on the provincial level and then the prime minister is like the country level so so every province has a premier or you've got one premier for the whole country right but i've got there's a premier for each province and then the prime minister is for the country so and then what's the other there's also an equivalent there's a woman that um is in a high position of government and it's not prime minister um and i can't remember i think she's originally um from uh, a Caribbean island. Maybe. I don't and, know. Well, oh, yeah, she's part Haitian or full Haitian. Um, and she has a, a high ranking position. I thought it was prime minister, but apparently that's incorrect. No. I don't I think know. so. I mean, there's like governor general and stuff like that, but. Oh, she's governor general, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's that? Uh, that's just somebody who's, I think, a little more impartial like they're supposed to be like oh. yeah okay because i think she's trans and attorney so that would make sense okay yeah huh so yeah oh, welcome to the canadian government podcast. yeah it's pretty interesting because I mean, it I, is interesting yeah and some sometimes it's interesting because it's not necessarily decided in the way that you think like most times the way the votes are counted you've already decided whether somebody's prime minister or not before you get to the west side of the country so it's kind of like here if if um someone was running for president it's just like a sweep on on the major states in the 
on the East Coast. You, you kind of like, know, yeah. Like, okay. by the time you get to, like, Midwest of Canada, you probably know who the Prime Minister is. And then whether they have a minority or majority government is largely based on how we here in BC vote, so. Okay. It's very interesting. Huh. Oh, so the, the BC can, can be the deciding people, basically. Yeah. I mean, not really in who's prime minister, but more so like how much power does that person have usually. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So anyways, let's talk about Gilmore Girls because you know what? Oh, yeah. Everyone wants, everyone's like, that was a weird tangent, but I'm here for some Gilmore Girls and you know but, what? Yeah. But you know, it's interesting learning about the world around you. This is true. So. Um, and it is a big election, so. I guess so, yeah. It's interesting that, like, here it's not so much like you know when it's going to be, an ele- when there's going to be an election. It's more like they'll strategically time it for when it's in their advantage, more or less. Like, Trudeau kind of figured, oh, I got us out of the pandemic. Now everyone's oh, going to be. riding high. Yeah. So, it, so there's, it's kind of like, oh. Well, so it's not like every four years, like right. We're of... like, hey, it's November, you know, first. What it's the first something of November. Why do I not know? <laughs> I've like, there's been times the it's Tuesday been like November, first Tuesday of November. Whoops. I think there's been like two elections in like three years time or something like that once. Like there was there was a weird like y'all have that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But to so be fair, they don't. They don't have a big lead up for it. It's usually like the month before they're like they start campaigning and then that's it. So Well, I wonder if it actually like works their advantage to have a short campaign time. I guess because so. that side doesn't turn. Yeah. yeah. So Okay. So yeah, I had a good question that's gone, so it must not either was not that good or <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Gilmore girls. Let's talk about Die Jerk, which is the eighth episode of season four. Um, which is quite a bit of a literal reference because uh, somebody writes die jerk on Rory's dorm whiteboard. So. so so, I have a question about this. If this happened today, wouldn't that be construed as a threat and you could report it? I think it would be, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it seemed like it was treated like very like whatever, but I think Rory blamed herself. I think also, too, I mean, in this case, Rory did write that pretty mean review. So, I mean, not to say that Rory Rory deserved that, but it's not like Rory was completely innocent either. Well, and, and then I, the girl says in the in the middle of the dining hall, didn't she say, like, I, I hope you die or something like that? She said something or... like, bye jerk, die jerk. And I was like, what? And she said something else that was really weird. And I'm thinking, wow, maybe... Um... Maybe the review is yeah, accurate. But I... Well, I mean, the other thing is that I don't know if a university paper would have published that because they have to think about their liability, too. Yeah. So, yeah, there's that part of it because, you know, this could affect her dancing career. So. Yeah. I thought it was really interesting how uh, it didn't seem like Rory to write something like that. And I think even she recognizes that, like, this is not, like, how I'd write. But, yeah, at the same time, too, it was, like, the most popular thing from the sounds of it. So, 
it was right. clearly doing her, her some good. Her thought it was great. Yeah, yeah, I liked um, uh, Richard's kind of evaluation. He's like, you gutted her, and it's like, oh, geez, Rich is really into this. So. Richard, he he was written pretty interestingly this this episode next, but yeah. the, the other thing is I think we're coming to terms with the fact, or Rory is realizing that she is not the end all be all anymore. That here's a newspaper editor that didn't even publish her article, and you know you didn't hear her say how could I have changed it. Mm. It was more like you ran out of space, you know, like it, it like she didn't think about the fact that her writing wasn't good enough, and then yeah. we have Richard. Emily again reinforcing the special muffinness. Yeah, <laughs> it's also have the special muffin. Do you know what I mean? Like they're like, oh, you did a great job and everything, um, and she's really come to terms with the fact that she's not big man on campus anymore. Yeah. So I think it's going to lead to you know a lot of issues down the line for her. Mm-hmm. But uh, not Emily and Richard for her. Yeah. It also just I don't know like. I I understood a little bit of where Rory was coming from, where she's like obviously she's in her probation period or something like that, where you know she's not quite right. hired on yet, mm-hmm. um, so she's trying to stand out. And um, I think she learned a valuable lesson that sometimes you have to do things you're uncomfortable with, maybe perhaps to uh, you know get ahead in areas that you you know you you maybe otherwise wouldn't. Um, and I think it, it makes sense for Rory to be uncomfortable with that. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think the part for, that was weird for me is that she didn't think when she was writing that, that that would come across like that. Like that felt weird to me. Like it seemed like it only dawned on her when the w- girl told her, like, how dare you write this? It's like, Rory's pretty smart. How did she not read that and go, well, this is not going to get construed well. You I know what I mean? Yeah. She kind of panicked when, you know, this is her goal is to be what Christian Amapur. Yeah. And so when she's told that her article wasn't even good enough to get published. Yeah. Um, I, I think that that was a real test of her ability to accept criticism. And she kind of tipped the other way, which is she didn't watch what she's writing. And the editor said it was okay. Yeah. Um, which again, really surprising to me, but then, it, you know, if he doesn't accept it, then we know that plot point or whatever. So, um, mm. but I would think that they would be concerned about libel or, you know, getting in trouble in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and basically he just said, well, you're gonna have to write stuff that people aren't gonna like. Yeah. Um, that's true, but you also need to write it with integrity and yeah, making a comment about somebody being like a hippo you know we were talking about this before we started rolling you know is that you know now you're getting into body image stuff Mm -hmm. and again i don't think that would fly today at all no Um, and there'd be an uproar so yeah it brought out a side of rory that she started kind of flailing a little bit yeah and maybe compromise some of her beliefs in order to get published because to her this is what she's been looking for yeah you know but yeah, um, speaking of the editor, uh, new addition to the cast, Danny Strong. Have you run a while? Okay. Yeah, <laughs> and he's pretty popular. Before the show, he was on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, so he was pretty well known for that. 
Um, and later he became a bit of a writer and uh, showrunner. He uh, created the show Empire, which is a pretty big show, a pretty popular hey. show. Yeah. Huh. I like yeah. that show. Sure. You watch it? Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Well, it's not anymore, but yeah, it was good. Yeah, I think it's over now. I think they say it ended yeah. in 2020, so. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, uh, the casting directors were so enamored by him. They wanted to actually cast him in a role, but it didn't end up working out. So they actually wrote the role of the editor, um, Doyle, yeah. for Danny. Like, he, he specifically had the role written for him. Oh, so. so he auditioned when the show first started, and they, they wanted to find a place to kind of put him because they liked him, but the other characters were kind of... Yeah, weird. and I'm kind of wondering who he would have played. Like, kind of curious yeah. now. <laughs> like, who was he originally going to play? I'm guessing Michelle, or like the role that eventually became Michelle, is my guess. Mm -hmm. I can't see him being like Luke or something like that. Sorry, Danny Strong, but uh, right, right, right. Yeah, no, Kirk. Maybe he was gonna be Kirk. Yeah, uh, I can see that. By the way, sorry, we don't see Kirk in this episode at all. Nope he's he's got Lulu now, so I want to imagine that he's probably probably not leaving the house because he's probably not working Lulu. as much. Yeah, yeah, he's probably like I gotta spend time with Lulu. So, um, else that could be a whole episode. You know, I would love an episode where, like, Kirk's like, I gotta go to work, and Lulu's like, please, just stay in bed. And he's like, okay. He's like, what am I gonna do with my 50 jobs? I have to call them and let them know. Um, she shows up with him, and all the jobs are, are Kirk and Lulu working together. I think, ultimately, we need to get to the point where Lulu and Kirk open their own business. Oh, maybe like, that's coming. Like, that's gotta be the logical step, right? Oh, there you go. Yep. Ice sculptures. I think they would have an ice sculpture business. Mm, yeah. I would love for Kirk to open his own... Like, because Kirk doesn't seem that original, I could see him doing something like opening up a diner and, and like, calling it Kirk's. Like, just like Luke's, but... Would just yeah, be like... with, like, the menu are just, like, a little bit different. Yeah. Because he's, he he's not that original, so for him, he would say... Oh yeah, welcome to Kirk's. And it would be like, this is Luke's. No, it isn't. It's Kirk's. And it used to be a hardware store. Can I say? Yeah, he'll <laughs> take over Dozy's Market. You know. So. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, Emily and Richard come back from the Atlantic City trip. Uh, which Emily yeah, is yeah. like very upset about this. She clearly is. She doesn't like Jason or Digger, whatever you want to call him. Uh, and, uh, we get a little bit of a repertoire or a little bit of a buildup of some kind of romantic tension between, uh, Jason and, uh, Lorelai. Uh, I think for Lorelai, she's probably a little confused because I don't think he's her type, but at the same time, he's interesting. Like how he manages to talk himself into being invited for dinner. That was pretty funny. You could see kind of where he was going with that. It was almost like a like a a challenge to him. Yeah. I find him kind of interesting in that way. I'm I'm gonna just say I think out of all of Lorelai's love interests so far, he's probably the most interesting. Uh oh, he's eleven? 
I think, yeah. I don't think it's a big spoiler to say they're building up to that. I mean, they go on really? their date. Okay. episode, I was like, oh. Yeah, because they go on their date at the uh, end of the next episode, so. Right, um, but, but, yeah, I mean, he, he the way he kind of talks himself into things, uh, he does it even in the next episode, too, where he talks himself into getting access to things he, he, otherwise he wouldn't. Like, he's very mm-hmm. smart like that, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. And he's also pursuing her, so that's my question, is, like, once he is in a relationship with her, is he still going to be interested, or or is he just a chasing person? And we also have the fact, too, that there's that tension between him and Emily. And I think right. that's part of the reason why Lorelai likes him. But I think that isn't enough to sustain a relationship. It could even be worse than that. I mean, yeah. Well, I think it also shows that she's kind of moved on from the doing stuff just to upset her parents. Like, she's actually caring about the reaction. Yeah, that's true, isn't it? Yeah, because she is kind of thinking about that. But at the same time, too, I get the impression that she's, that there's still that lingering temptation in her mind. Like, she oh, knows yeah. that if she dates him, it's going to piss off Emily. And even so there if, is still some of that, yeah. And I think she knows better than to tell Emily, but I still think there's that underlying temptation of, if I date this guy, even if Emily doesn't know, she knows Emily would not agree with this or like it. Right. So. I mean, there is that appeal, yeah. Which is, and for some reason, I thought she already agreed to go out with him in a previous episode. I think she was contemplating it, and yeah, I mean, he sent her so a bunch of. Her like it. She's like, oh, hmm? he, yeah, because he sent her a bunch of flowers or something, right? So, multiple times. So we talked about grand gestures. That's a little over the top. Yeah. Like it yeah. seemed kind of smarmy. Hmm. So. Yeah, um, yeah, and there was also the scene too where uh, Jason was asking Emily for all those restaurants, I, and I kind of like that he he's smart enough that you know that he's basically asking what restaurants he should take Lorelai to, but right. under the guise of oh it's for business. But then it was kind of funny where he's like, what about something romantic? They're like, why would you need something romantic? He's like, uh, gotta make the suggestion for the clients. Yeah, right. That was a good save. Yeah. Yep. So. And just seeing Emily's face when he's trying to get invited to dinner is mm. great. Yeah. Because Richard's like, what's the problem? You know, like, he really is just... Yeah. It's like you don't understand why well, Emily would have an issue. It's funny, too, because, like, obviously proper, like, a good uh, guest or host would invite a, a guest over for dinner. But, right. you know, it's funny that Emily is kind of throwing that out the window and like, you know, it's Richard who's like, no, it's like, he's my business partner. It's rude to not have him over for dinner when he's already right. here. So I thought it was well, funny. Emily changes the rules to suit what, you know, she's a, she likes rules when they benefit her. And she also likes being in control, which we'll get a taste of that next episode as well. But mm-hmm. Emily loves to be in control. And when she's not, that's yep. when she starts to freak out. So there's problems. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This episode was written by Daniel Palladino, which I we were saying before, but like it explains the there was a joke 
uh, made about uh, mental disability or mental illness in this. Um, yeah, I looked up who wrote it. It was it was a little tasteless. Yeah, I mean, I didn't notice it at the time, but you mentioned it later. I'm like, oh, okay, um, yeah. I, I think I, I chalked that up to a little bit of the time. I think we've talked about this before that it seemed a little more widely accepted then. And maybe that, and maybe that is Lorelai stuff. I find that when when Lorelai knows that someone doesn't like her, she kind of um, pokes at him a little bit. Mm, yeah. So that would be an example of that. Yeah. But the whole thing with Michelle too, like you could tell it's a totally pre-pandemic, because Michelle would probably, you know, why just not have him wear a mask? I mean, they had masks back then. Yeah. I, I just, I mean, I get not wanting to have somebody that sneezes around your kid. Like, I understand that, but why mm. not all just meet outside? So, again, that's something that we know now from the pandemic, right? Is going outside, you're a little bit safer. But to just totally exclude him, I thought was, was really rude. Yeah. I think it was, I don't, I think it was mainly there for them to basically be like, let's, let's get to, let's get him basically in a, in a thing where, you know, you, uh, I guess, have him there for comedic effect, I guess. Like, it was there to kind of have him be like, oh, why am I out here? It was more for jokes, but... I, yeah, it is pretty rude when you start to think about him a little bit more. Um, cool. Uh, let's see here. Uh, what was your favorite and least favorite performance from this episode? Uh, my favorite... Um... Well, my least favorite was Rory, and I don't think mm. it was the actress. I think it was more just the she's learning that she's not, she's not everything, you know. And yeah, I, the entitlement is starting to really come through. Mm. Uh, and I would also say that the best performance was Kirk because he wasn't there, and I miss Kirk. <laughs> but, His um, presence was there. Yeah, I mean, I think also worst performance, Michelle, and I think that's the first time I've said that. I just thought that, I think he was doing the best he could with what he was given as far yeah. as the script. I mean, they played that out. I mean, how many times did he say that there's green things flying at him outside? Yeah. Um, but, you know, I don't think, I, I think I'm going to have to say Emily again because of the nonverbals, especially when, like I said, you know, when um, Digger's trying to get invited to dinner and just her face is just, Emily's got the best not pleased face I've ever seen. Oh yeah, when Emily's not happy, you know it. You can tell from her face. She's not happy. Nobody's happy. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, yeah how about you? Mm, my favorite, I'll say, was Jason. Uh, I thought he. Uh, yeah, I thought. To, I will say, though, the whole talk of the internet felt really dated. They're like, it's wireless. You can go anywhere. And I'm like, uh, gosh, that has not aged well. <laughs> no, but, you know, for um, for the some of the costuming, you can tell is like, you know, early 80s or 80s, early 2000s. Yeah. But the show also, I, I think part of the, the popularity is not only is it a good show, but it's pretty timeless. So yeah. when they do stuff like the Internet, it kind of it threw me for a loop a little bit. Cause I'm like, what? It's, you know, <laughs> it's dating a show that, yeah. Otherwise feels pretty timeless. And you're like, Oh, yeah. even though Alexis, I'll just turn 40. That's crazy. Um, that kind of yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, uh, I like Jason and I like his repertoire and how he played off of, uh, Lorelai and the others. And I mean, here's the thing. Jason's got 
introduced this season, and I think they're trying to do a job of basically introducing him and making you like him. Uh, whether it works or not is debatable, but I, I do find it interesting that they've given him a lot to work with. And again, he's probably the most interesting out of all of Lorelai's potential suitors. I mean, I'm sorry, he but like, like Max was a dud. And Alex, who remembers Alex? Nobody does. disappeared and and also you know there's a is this the one with the fight between lane and and dave no or is that the next no the next one this well no it wasn't really a well i guess it was a bit of a i don't know if it was a fight yeah they got a fight there was something about the marriage jug which felt like a really stupid subplot i mean that was was episode yeah yeah because oh, what it reminded me of, you know, like things that your parents tell you, there's a whole, um, you know, ask Reddit about this once. It was about what's something that your parents told you that you thought was the truth until you, you know, found out yeah. as an adult. And mm. and mine was is that I thought until I was a senior in high school that you had to bring your own food to Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> now that I think about it, it sounds ludicrous, right? Like, yeah. Why would you bring your own food to Taco Bell? And so we... Uh, I was with friends in high school. Like this is so embarrassing. I was with friends in high, so now I'm just putting it out on the internet. Um, and um, and we they wanted to go to Taco Bell, and I said, "But you got to bring your own food." And they looked at me like, "What planet are you from?" Well, it turns out when I was four, um, apparently I said to my mother, um, "Hey, I want to go to Taco Bell." Like I was really pushing for it, and she's like, "No, you know, just to get me to stop because I was a yeah. persistent kid." She said, "No, you got to bring your own food there," and I was like, "Oh, okay." So somehow I didn't learn this until I was a senior in high school. So it just kind of reminded me of like when you're told something, you just think that this is like the gospel truth until until like something happens and you're like, what? You yeah. know, because there's that power to believe your parents. And she's like, yeah, I just, you know, it was like the same thing. It's like, I just you know wanted you to like stop talking. <laughs> the whole thing about that whole subplot was a... I think they left the door open for Dave to come back in case the OC didn't quite work out. Cause there's this weird period where they're like, Oh, he's off in California, but we still talk. And part of me thought maybe that's like them keeping the door open in case that shit didn't work out, which obviously it did. He never came back, but it just seems a little awkward that we're like, I know Dave's not coming back. And they're like, Oh, Dave's Dave's California. We're, you know, but the whole marriage junk thing just felt like a, like a sitcom trope like it was a simple misunderstanding and it took up too much time in this episode and i was like this isn't this wasn't necessary like i understand that people start you know if your parent tells you something you believe that's what the truth is you Um, may have that for a long time i mean who knows how long i would have gone thinking that you had to bring your food to taco bell if it was not brought up when i was a senior in high school i was (laughs) I was told that if you had a TV on for more than four hours, it would it would burn out and die. Like, the TV would be done. So you had to turn off the TV before four hours, otherwise it was toast. So when did you realize that this was not the case? Um, I think I was, like, 14 or 15. And I had, <laughs> I had the TV on and I had lost track of time. And I realized it had been on for like five and a half hours or something like that. Like, and I'm oh like, God. the TV's still working. I've been lied to this whole time. But really, it was a clever way to basically tell me, don't be on the TV too long. Yeah. Right? 
Because right, you're like, yeah. well, I don't want to damage the TV. So I'd right, turn it right, off and go yeah, do something else. Yeah, because yeah, then you get parental anger if you damage the TV and you lose your TV. Yeah. <laughs> Twofold. And really, like, they probably didn't want me on the TV that much, watching too much TV. So, you know, after four hours, you're yeah. like, uh, I got to turn this thing off. I don't want this thing to, like, overheat and blow overheat. up or something. <laughs> <laughs> Like, so do you now have a fear of things overheating? Like, you know, like, um, you make sure that the oven's off and, you know what I mean? Like, do you... I, I kind of do. Yeah. Like whenever I go to bed, I always, before bed, I always like do a walk around. I'm always like, did I turn everything off? Wow. Yeah. Way to go. Talk to parents. <laughs> Anyways. Um, <laughs> favorite reference from the show or from this episode. It's interesting that they were talking about um, they were making fun of Jessica Simpson and something about like it was really mean. It's kind of like you know it's, it seems a little wrong that Jessica Simpson is alive. And I think at the time she was doing the reality show with Nick Lachey, I think. Mm. Um, but I just want to point out that you make fun of her. What in two thousand was this two thousand four at this point? How old? I mean, how long ago was this? Mm. Film. This was 2003, so... 2003, okay. So, today, she has a billion-dollar-plus um, clothing company. So, she did pretty well for herself. Was she so also... Oh, no. Jessica Simpson was not... It was her sister that was the one that got caught lip-syncing. That's her sister, yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought Lorelai had a real zinger, and I don't think i realized it until i actually looked it up later but jason says it's nice to meet you and i don't really go by digger anymore and then lorelei says was it p digger now because um there yeah. was uh sean sean combs he went right by p diddy mm-hmm. so oh yep. my God. that was a funny reference also lorelei yeah. has brought up jason Priestley twice now um like when he, he said oh i signed the cards jason and she goes I, I thought it was jason Priestley." There was that episode where she's talking to Suki about, like, before Suki gives birth, and then she's like, yeah, I had to choose between Jason Priestley and Emilio Estevez. So I think Lorelai's got a really big thing for Jason Priestley. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she would have been around the age where she was watching the original My Out 2 Out. Oh, is that what he's most popular from? Yep. Okay. I, I think that's, like, the thing he's known for. I don't know what he I think about. so, too. I'm looking it up on Google. And yeah, it doesn't seem like he was really in much else. He was in the movie Tombstone, so there's that. Really? Yeah. I like that movie too, but I don't remember a minute. Huh. Mm. Uh, oh, I the new zoo review. I haven't thought about the new zoo review, and I can't remember what else was brought up. And I'm like, oh. And and interestingly, there's a hippo character in the new zoo review. So oh, there's a children's yeah. show in the like, late 70s. Yeah, hmm. so there's a hippo on there. I'm like, oh, I wonder if that was like kind of intentional to bring that up. Yeah. So. Yeah. Awesome. Henrietta Hippo. Henrietta totally Hippo. Pretty. That was a pre- that was a pretty odd reference, but I dug it nonetheless. Yeah. I was like, okay. Um. All right. We got favorite quote. Do you have a favorite quote from this uh, episode? I have. I have a few. Um, I heard there's uh, no, that's the wrong. I I have notes from two. Where did I put the? Ah, uh, here say yours because I can't find where I wrote. Okay. Um, 
let's see here. Uh, oh, um, I think probably for me, uh, there was a, a line between like Rory and Lorelai where Rory says, one of them, a married man had a long conversation with how shall we put it delicately, a woman of less than reputable nature. And then Lorelai says, hmm, do hookers charge to let you talk to them? And then Rory just says, depends on what they're doing uh, when they're talking to you. And it just, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was kind of funny because it was totally out. It was, you know, Ro that's something Rory would have gotten from Lorelai, obviously. Or, you and know. Emily was, I mean, Emily just kind of rolled with it, didn't she? I don't know. No, remember. Emily she was said, upset. She's like, I expect that from your mother, from not from you. She was pretty upset. And there was another thing that, that someone's, that, um, I can't remember what it was, but something that Lorelai said, and Emily just like kind of accepted it. And I was like, wow, okay. I mean, I think Emily's still really angry about the whole Atlantic City trip. Yeah, I think, I think Emily's got a lot of anger to work through right now. She's got to be focusing on only one at a time, really. And wait till next episode. You get to oh, see super yeah. If you like big Emily blow-ups, next episode's your, your favorite, I'm sure. Your thing, yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, so did you so find... So if I was Lorelai, I would have sneezed, and everybody would have had to go on the back porch, front porch. No. A fake sneeze. Yeah. And what's the deal with the midwife? Why... That whole character, I so that was my also least favorite performance is the the midwife. Mm. I can't remember. Yeah, but she felt. Just, I wish you. Why would you let somebody in your home that treats your friends like that? Yeah, it just felt like she was really unnecessarily rude. Right. And like, again, Sookie's put up with it, which I would have an issue with a friend that was like, "Hey, you're okay with this person treating your friends and family like crap?" Okay. Totally. We need to have a talk. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it was kind of, I think, meant to illustrate more so, like, hey, you know, when it comes to raising kids, like, you know, yeah, it's not the perfect way, but, you know, at least it feels a little more humane or human than this, this midwife who's doing things so coldly, like, don't talk baby talk to baby, like, I'm sure right. many people are talked to with baby talk, and they, they come out just fine, so... Oh, yeah. Well, that's that's how things are done. Yeah. Right. I mean, kids learn vocalizations. I mean, I think it's all like what you want to do. And, you know, mm. the, the, I think the problem is why you're not hurting your kid, whatever. Yeah. You, know? you can talk baby talk. So, mm -hmm. I mean, if you look at like Bunny the, the dog um, that does the buttons. I don't know if you've seen her, but she communicates with buttons and she can, she actually knows transitory verbs now, like is, um, mm. and knows that she's a dog and that the parents are humans. It's really fascinating. But, you know, but uh, what the mom is doing is she speaks basically in shortened sentences to the dog. Like she says, walk now, walk later, you know, and she, so there, you, you kind of meet somebody where they're at, right? Or meet the dog where they're at. Yeah. Um, so baby talk is just, you know, in some, I think in linguistics research, sometimes it's called mommies mm. um, because it's, um, it usually is considered, you know, this is the way you talk to your kids because they learn vocalizations first, right? So... Yeah. Um, but Bunny the Talking Dog. Great. Um, I want to start a new, maybe not a formal thing that we mention every episode, but would this episode have been made better if Gil was in it? And I want to say the answer was yes. This episode would have been better if Gil was in it. Hey, which one's Gil? The uh, older drummer, or the older guitarist for Lane's band. 
the one who's just like super enthusiastic. I didn't, yeah. Because yeah. how are the other band members going to feel when Lane kind of goes over their head and just hires him? Yeah, I don't know if they ever addressed that. But also, to be fair, Lane can be pretty bossy when she wants to be. She can be very Mrs. Kim-esque when she wants to be. So, mm -hmm. I imagine she probably puts her foot down. But I was, I've seen this episode before, and part of me wanted, and I don't know why, but they were at that ballet recital thing. I wanted the, the Emily to, or Lorelai to just turn, and there was Gil sitting next to her just being like, yeah, this is pretty lame, isn't it? Or something like that. I don't know. I just wanted, I need more Gil. I in my life this is great yeah <laughs> yeah okay um behind the scenes trivia i think yeah the, the thing about um what's his name uh danny strong that's probably the big one because he's pretty big nowadays and i mean this was obviously that's after buffy bigger. which was pretty big but Oh, sorry. Did he have a male on Buffy? I've never actually seen Buffy. I no, I think it was would have been a side character. I can't. I haven't watched Buffy in ages, so I can't quite remember fully. But uh, yeah, I probably have to watch it. I've never seen it. Um, so you may not know this, but there the at the end of the episode uh, where um, uh, you. You see Rory kind of going to another kind of performance. Um, yeah. Uh, basically, the uh, singers in that are Rachel McFarlane and Seth McFarlane. Are you kidding? Wait, yeah. is Rachel McFarlane his wife or sister? Or sister. Ah. Yeah. That's interesting. Seth McFarlane has a really good singing voice, so they must have in post production kind of. Or, or he purposely made it sound bad because he does voices, right? So, mm -hmm. so I thought uh, that was interesting. Yeah, like you don't yeah. see them obviously. You're, you're the camera is fixed on Rory, but still, a lot of connections between this and Family Guy, right? When you sort of think about it. Yeah. Um, so when did it start? Because Daniel Paladino was already writing for them at this point, right? Uh, well, he like like Family was... Guy started like late 90s i want to say like 98 or 99 it's mike judge right oh no that's king of the hill no uh, it was seth mcfarland he was the creator oh okay yeah um yeah uh i think that's pretty much it yeah there you go um okay let's uh any other mental health observations uh, that entitlement piece that I think we're going to see Rory kind of fall apart a little bit with finding out that she is not the end-all be-all and coming to terms with the fact that that there are a lot of people that are good writers. And yeah. there are a lot of people that probably want to be journalists. Um, you know, like my undergrad degree is in telecommunication production, like news production. Right. I'm in film production. And, um, and there were a couple people in my class that went on to to be pretty well known so i mean there there are a lot of people that are there's always going to be people that aren't as good as something as you and there are always going to be people who are better than you and i think that you know as i think this is a prime example of the grandparents you know basically i mean it you would think that grandparents would be like hey this seems like a little icky but it's almost like like um richard said you know like you eviscerated her or whatever you gutted her 
um, there's a sense of pride to it that I think is concerning. Mm-hmm. Um, well, but they're very into win and lose. Yeah. Especially Emily, you know, because that's the narcissist thing is the win or lose. Yeah. But, um, but the fact that this is being reinforced by your grandparents. Um, and I can't remember what, I mean, Lorelai thought it was harsh, but she also thought it was kind of funny. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think we've seen the, you know, like they talk about, I, I think I mentioned this before, you know, like what was the point like in Breaking Bad where um, where Walt turned bad? I think yeah. we're seeing, here's the point where Rory starts compromising her values and beliefs for trying to be the best at something. Mm-hmm. And I think it, there's going to be some point that I think the grandparents are going to realize that they failed her. So yeah. I don't know what season that's going to be in, but I think that's coming. Mm. And I think that they're, this is Emily and Richard are heading for Splitsville. So we'll see what, how that goes. Uh, yeah. I mean, they're definitely, they lack basic communication skills. So I think, uh, you know, even a regular couple would have a hard time with, with, you know, some issues, but it's, I think more so the issue that they just have a hard time communicating properly. So at first I thought, well, maybe it's, you know, age or maybe it's, you know, socioeconomic class, but I think they just have, I think it's a personality thing. And my guess is, is that from the stuff I've seen before, it sounds like if Richard did talk to Emily, like there was no real progress made. Yeah. So, or he got in trouble for it. So based on how we see her interact with other people. So you wonder if, did they have communication at one point and Richard kind of gave up or did they just never really do that? Mm. And, and, and I guess he was, now he was, he wasn't really raised by tricks, right? Like I got the impression that he was raised by nannies and not tricks. So who knows if he learned appropriate communication? Yeah. Or we don't know anything about how she was raised, do we? Uh, um, no, no. Do they ever get so. into that? I don't think they do. Because that would be interesting to see, like, where was her parent a narcissist? Where did all this come from? This kind of win at all costs thing. I because if, if there's an argument, she's gonna make sure she wins. Hmm? I could see too, like, just being in that life of the DAR and all those social things has turned her into who she is. Like, I imagine, like, well, I guess, I, like so that's why I gotta stick up for my DAR. <laughs> Well, okay, DAR in this universe, not DAR in the regular right, not the real world. One. Yeah, because I would say, like, a lot of us are just normal people. <laughs> yeah, it's just, like, I think she's been so in this life for so long that, like, it's made her who she is. Like, mm-hmm. you know, in some ways, yes, she has a nice home and nice car and all these other things, but I want to imagine the toll it's taken on her is maybe that, yeah, she's, well, you know, grown things these things are right? Yeah. I mean, I, I, Lorelai addressed this with Digger when she said, you know, she's a corporate wife and this is part of it is that she would plan these parties and you took that away from her. Yeah. And and then she's got internet so that now Richard can be online all the time and you can see where that was a threat to her. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, and things are changing. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And, that's the, and I have the, have the feeling that, that Emily likes the rules if they benefit her. And if the rules change, she does not take well to that. I could also see, too, that if Emily were to ever leave this life, she would probably be very happy, probably. Like, she would probably actually enjoy it, because I think a lot of the stress comes from the expectation of what she has to do. And I think if that were ever gone, she'd probably be able to relax a little bit. 
Well, I think she would have to have a purpose. Yeah. I don't think Emily is going to be okay with not having control over something. Mm. I don't know. It's yeah. That happens. Yeah. yeah. I don't even know if she would need control. I think she would. Uh, personally, I think she like it would be interesting to see like what if you took her out of this life and put her in like I don't know like maybe not a trailer park but like something that's so far removed from where oh, she's at. Like, what would it, that be like for her? So, but I think at this control should be miserable. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I think at this point, like she's so in the life that like she yes, I think she probably uses expectations and these things as like sort of a guideline or rule for what she does but i also think too that yeah she she probably would um i think she would probably if she were out of that life she would probably enjoy herself a little bit more i think she would have to choose where she was going to have that life though yeah and there would have to be somebody that's attending to her needs probably too whereas like i think richard like he's not really in that life like, he'll participate in it, but he's by no means, like, attached to it. But like, he's, a, he's attached to work. Yeah. Like, he knows what to do properly and whatnot, but, like, he also, you know, he also seems fine with cheeseburgers or, well, maybe not cheeseburgers, but he's okay with certain things that, like, gives me some inclination that, like, he's not really fully dedicated to the life that he's in. Like, he just does it more so probably for Emily or other things. Like well, we saw that a little bit with, um, with when he retired. I mean, he was actually, he was fascinated with how Emily did stuff. You know, yeah. she's like, he's like, take me with you and show me what you do. You know, so yeah, I could see that happening. I could also see where, you know, he, he derives a lot of his self-worth from how he does business stuff. So. Yeah. Okay. Time to rate this episode. Where are you thinking for a score? I'd give it an eight. I thought this was pretty good. What do you think? Uh, I'd give it a seven. Uh, I think the things that drag it down for me were the lane subplot that felt largely unnecessary. Um, yeah. yeah. Also, too, like it. Uh, it just felt a little mean spirited in spots, which is Danny Pelly, you know. Really right. Right. Much. Right. Yeah. So yeah. So I'd... you know what? I probably would revise it based on that too, like the fat shaming and yeah. yeah. Give it a seven. I mean, it's still not bad, but yeah, it's it's by no means. I did like the stuff with like, yeah, uh, Rory kind of realizing that you know she had done something wrong, and also the stuff yeah. with Digger or Jason, whatever you want to call him. I want to keep calling him Digger, even though he, I'm sure he doesn't like being called Digger. So it's easier to remember Digger. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, Steph is over at stephaniesarkis.com. Gaslighting is her book, and Talking Brains is her other podcast. And I'm over at threeingrenerds.com, where you can find me almost every other day posting new content. Until next time, bye for now. Bye.